0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Regarding ID Podcast. This is Zach Martin, editor of Regarding ID Magazine, along with Jana Jordan. Today we're speaking with Mike Butler, Deputy Director of the Defense Manpower Data Center for Identity and Personal Assurance at the U.S. Department of Defense. But before we dive in, first a word from our sponsor. Whether you are protecting a critical infrastructure or vital information, or securing a facility or border... You need to answer the same question. In the modern world of identities, how do you establish with absolute certainty that someone is who they claim to be? At CSC, we understand that the heart of identity management is the creation of trusted identities. For more information, go to csc.com slash identity management. CSC, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Common Access Card celebrated its 10th birthday in October as the granddaddy of U.S. government smart card programs. It's been an example of what to do for other agencies. Mike, who recently rejoined DOD, was at the Defense Manpower Data Center when it launched and took some time to talk to us about the program, where it's been, and where it's going. Gina?
1: Mike Butler says he was working on the Navy smart card before all this Department of Defense stuff started.
2: the actual common access card establishment was in November of 1999, and I think it was probably one year after that in October, so in in probably 2000, that we had the first common access card issued. It took just about another two years. We crossed the one million mark in August of uh, 2002. And this is kind of interesting. I was just looking at this. So in June of 2006, we hit 10 million and now it's October 2010 with our really 10 year anniversary and it's 24 million.
1: In those early years of the common access card, Butler says he was always looking for the next killer application and PKI wasn't it for him at first, but he has changed his tune over the years.
2: I would say that I'm actually really pleased to see where we're at, but maybe 10 years ago when I you know first started working here at the MDC, I don't know if I could have seen this and because I, I think in 2000, 2001, 2002, we really kind of here at DMDC saw ourselves as being ID card issuers. And somewhere in that time frame, there was this shift that we had that said, you know, it's not really ID cards, although that's, you know, technically what we do. It's really identity. And at that point, you know, I think the full embracing of the PKI process within DMDC and within, you know, the PKI PMO and, I think it really kind of ratcheted it up and I think it got a lot more attention and it also helped sell it in the department. So it was uh it wasn't just ID cards, it was something more and that the sum of those parts had huge implications for the department.
1: Butler says in 2000, there was no ID card for DOD civilians. Also back then, separate ID cards were given to reservists and active duty folks. That's no longer the case, and Butler says those changes were made with significant cost and policy implications. Another change is the effort underway to issue a standard smart card ID to all federal employees.
2: I was actually reminded the first week that I came back here even having gone through the GSA program and and seeing all the other agencies, like, start to step up to this plate, a lot of us, I think, tend to think that this is kind of old news, right? And I was reminded by somebody who's not in the government that, you know, when you really look at identity programs anywhere else in the world, the Department of Defense Common Access Card remains unique. And I had kind of missed that. And it remains unique for a couple of reasons. Number one, in general, um, you'd be hard-pressed to find another one that that works in any kind of open, multi-vendor environment. So, you know, I mean, we still manage to do that with, you know, multiple vendors, multiple cards. The rest of the federal guys don't necessarily do that, but that foundation is there. And the other thing which I really didn't get, although I have looked at some of the other national ID cards and, and things that have been done overseas. Most of those credentials, when they're given to citizens, are used once or twice a year. And there's very few places where, I mean, I can't, I can't operate and I can't get on the network um, without my CAC, right? Every single day it has to be used. And that also is what differentiates it from, you know, the other programs. And we're starting to see that same thing happen in the other different federal agencies. So, you know, I think the fact that we really understood that making an attempt for an open systems approach, you know, was going to cost us a lot in management and also probably take some agility away, but I I think that we're still very, we're wed to that process, and and I think a lot of that did transfer into, you know, the HSPD-12 and PIV uh, programs within the federal government.
1: Butler says he's heard from some vendors who are starting to see countries and organizations overseas adopting these same types of standards. He says that alone makes the Common Access Card a huge success story, even though the card and the DOD have gotten their share of criticism.
2: I think before uh, 2004, 2005 with HSPD-12, most of the criticism we took was from internal customers, right? Part of that was them understanding that this was really going to happen and that it was the Department's intent to make that happen. But when HSPD-12 and and the PIPs came out in 2005, we'd already been doing something for five years, and there was a requirement for a fairly major shift. We keep reminding people that in order for us to swap out the 3.7 million CACs that are in, in use out there, it takes us three years to do that, and also we're starting to see cross-agency use, especially with the Department of Veterans Affairs, of the PKI, and when you start doing that, you really kind of understand that there's a whole learning curve to that whole process that does not move quickly, right? And in some cases, we probably stretched out too far and maybe made some, some technical approaches that probably now, in hindsight, we probably, you know, need to revisit. Some of them probably need to be defined better, I mean, you can make them work. Of how they're supposed to work cross-agency or, or some things that we're starting to deal with. So, I mean, all of those things are there, but that said, I get 80% of my emails signed and encrypted. It's proven to be of great use to the department, and from my viewpoint, there's nobody else that does that. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, any other criticism is uh, it's kind of nitpicking.
1: The Department of Defense is in the process of rolling out PIV compliant common access cards. Butler says they're more than 80 percent of the way there and right on schedule. As for using the cards for physical access control, federal agencies are also jumping on board.
2: And in fact, I did some travel over the last year and found them, you know, in all sorts of places, even well outside of D.C., where they were using their PIV cards and access control systems in their buildings. So I think that they really stepped up to doing that. Uh, we had a briefing to our senior coordinating group so the pentagon will be transferring over to the cac i think that they're scheduled to be done by april of 2012 they're testing uh, cac usage already in one of the wings and the pentagon badges will go away you know probably over the next 18 months so that includes a, a big physical access control upgrade there's a good example i mean there's our flagship you know, building here in the Department of Defense who's moving along in that direction, and that's a great big job.
1: Improvements are still being made. Butler says five years ago the federal folks were being cautious because they didn't want to cause harm to what was already in place, so there was an effort not to impact the industry too much.
2: I think since HSPD-12 has come along and the cards have been issued out there, the industry has moved along, and we're starting to see a lot more interesting and more secure solutions come out, right? So at the same time, I tend to think that we're going to see a completely different physical access mode of operation maybe two or three years from now in the future. So you know, we're kind of moving along this timeline that's got this kind of bow wave and some choppy waves in there, and some people are picking up on it and some people are not.
1: In the future, Butler sees many possibilities for the common access card. He wants the Department of Defense to continue on the PKI path and to strengthen it, using it in many more ways. He hopes the next year or so will bring interest from commercial entities that will come in and lay out some opportunities for the government to partner with them.
2: There's been a lot of interest in it, but the CAP did have a purse on it for for the Marine Corps for their recruits a couple of years ago. And I've been the one who's been trying to, like, tell everybody to be a little bit more pragmatic about this. But that would be something that absolutely has a return on investment in the Department of Defense, and we need to be looking at things like that, right? The other pieces that I see is really using the CAC and PKI credentials and also just the fact of the anchored identity to do other things which may be able to give us more and better capabilities to service data that's up in the cloud, like for back-end authentication, being able to deliver, you know, people status, you know, something richer, as far as data out to physical access systems and business systems. But that's really talking about the business use of the card. Personally, I have kind of moved from the fact of I do believe that smart cards will be the standard for federal employees and contractors for many years because HSPD-12 is there. We've made that investment. But I also think that at a federal level we've all kind of, like, adjusted and said – you know, once we move outside of those core populations and people who we, we work with, smart cards probably aren't the answer. And I'm accepting, you know, the fact that a smartphone would be a great way to be doing this. And what we really need to be doing is resetting our expectations across the government to say, you know, how do I get a piece of that? And also trying to sit down and talk to the vendors and say, hey, you know, here in the Department of Defense and across the federal agencies, we have these anchored identities for these people. How could we use that to help you guys give them a credential that could be used for, you know, other business uses for them on the personal side? We've never really been able to get our arms around that and make it work. Back to the matter is the most expensive part of this is doing the identity vetting and keeping that – that current, you know, the government has this huge, I mean, it's a national treasure that's been done. And even if it was opt-in for people, to be able to transfer that anchored identity into other areas for government or non-government use would actually be a, a great thing. And I think because we have things like smartphones that people are carrying and there's no real additional hardware cost to that, we might be able to make that work.
1: At least that's the future Butler would like to see pursued.
0: Thanks, Gina. Stay tuned next week when we continue our discussion about the Common Access Card with Scott Jack, Director of Identity Assurance for PKI at the Defense Department.